Is this a, is this a recording device or it's a recording microphone? Oh, wow, that's very fancy. <laughs> so I'd like to welcome everybody to the event center. I'd like to welcome you to Kyoto Williams. Um, let's see, well, I'll just start with a standard introduction. Um, so, as people come in, Angel is a writer, Zen priest, and teacher. And she is the author of a book entitled Being Black, Zen in the Art of Living with Fearlessness and Grace. She's um, currently the spiritual director for the New Dharma Community and also the founder of the Center for Transformative Change. So I, I just want to say how this happened a little bit. Well, I, I actually became familiar with Angel through her book. But then, what was the event called? Spiritual narrative. Yeah. Spiritual narrative. Becoming <laughs> <laughs> a spiritual narrative. Spiritual narrative. Twenty first century. That's like the title of my book. <laughs> Being black, said in the heart of this and grace. So uh, I first heard her speak there, and um, I remember a very probably all of us who were there remember this moment where you went on script in the beginning of the talk and very, and this is what came to, what touched me about it, very gently and gracefully um, pointed out some of the shortcomings of the event in terms of inclusion and it was so beautifully done and so bravely done and in a way that um, was encouraging but not uh, letting anyone off the hook. And that for me, I already wanted to talk to Angel because I wanted to thank her for her book for a few reasons that have to do with uh, students I work with in schools in Brooklyn. But um, then I really wanted not only to talk to her but invite her here and hope that she would speak here one day. So about a month later, I guess, I, we ended up talking and this happened. So I'm very happy that you're here, and being that you are a native to Queens, Brooklyn, and Manhattan, welcome home. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I see someone poised with a striker over a bell. means that there should be something before I start <laughs> running my running, running my spiel. Suppressed, penetrating, and perfect dharma is rarely met with even a hundred thousand million complas having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept. I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. This is great. <laughs> I, um, I've done uh, a couple talks since being um, in New York, and uh, you know, not to not to privilege my people or anything, but that's just that little moment where we just dragged off at the end. I was like, yeah, that's our thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it's very familiar and um, welcoming. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to just look around and. Oh, be blown away by what this room looks like. Because this is not the, um, the Zen that I grew up in. This is not what it looked like at all. And it's one of those peculiar things when you, um, when you enter into something and it, and it has 
simply been that way. It's hard to really grasp how differently, how different it could be. Uh, and the gift of being able to enter into a room to sit with people um, that for whatever peculiar reason are committed to their own awakening on behalf of others. Um, you know, it's, it's, and have it be able to reflect um, my reality back at me. Right? The Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan um, peculiarity of being in relationship with people of many colors and cultures and um, classes and I'm sure gender orientations and sexual orientations and all of these things um, to have a sense of it, it doesn't matter if I can um, check off everything on the list but to feel like whatever whatever is here is enough is enough mm. that I don't have to uh, carry this little um, feeling of like my welcome here. So I'd like to give you a little, a little bit of a um, context for um, where I am right now and the, the journey that has um, led me here. Uh, where I am right now and why I'm really interested and as I said in the description, why lineage is on my mind is that after um, an eternity, no, maybe quite, not quite. <laughs> After some, um, putting in some, some time um, in practice in my own, um, within my own um, lineage, which is uh, in theory from uh, Maizumi Roshi to Bernie Glassman's and Peacemakers, and then this um, really mad Puerto Rican priest from the Bronx. <laughs> um, I am um, having a public celebration of my uh, Dharma transmission, which actually happened a few years ago, but there was, there had been historically so much conflict around my um, empowerment that arose. There would be these, you know, <laughs> like, someone had like just set off a little uh, firebomb when, whenever, uh, you know, I kind of, um, it seemed like the, the top of my head would get above the, the, some kind of imaginary line. It would set off some friction and conflict within my um, family, my, my Zen, Zen family. Um, and so the decision was made at that time to like let's just you know keep it on the on the DL we say it's like let's keep it on the down low and i was and i was fine with that really um, tr really truly and more fine i think as the um, time has passed and now that we're here doing a public celebration i um, I really realized, like, oh wow, I was I'm, I was really fine with it. Like it was just sort of like, yeah, okay. And that's not right. It's not right that I was okay with not being um, afforded the same expressions uh, and of support of um, acknowledgement and recognition that was customary, just customary. It's not that I needed anything special, just what was customary to our 
our family. And it got me to thinking. And it occurred to me, so I'm going to start here and then kind of go back. It occurred to me that actually for the last, I've, I've been in the Bay Area for almost 10 years now, um, just shy, a few months shy of 10 years. Uh, and it occurred to me that for the last 10 years, I basically had um, gone to the Bay Area and kept my head down. Right? That, that that was basically what I was practicing. And I'm a, I don't know how many of you all know about astrology, but I'm a Sagittarius. And we have a really like gregarious, like, ah, <laughs> aspect to us. Um, but I have a Scorpio rising, so I have something else that can stay, you know, like this. <laughs> and know how to navigate um, tricky spaces. But it occurred to me that for the last 10 years, I've been, I've been keeping my head down. Does anybody know that expression? Have you heard that expression? Like, keeping my head down. And when I, when I heard myself say that to myself, like, oh, you've been keeping your head down, it reverberated back to the many, many, especially black men that were taught to keep their head down. And I thought, really? Really, did I, did I go there? Did I do that? Did I replicate that, um, that dynamic as forthright and as outspoken as I have been in many ways? about the dynamics of race and class uh, within Buddhist practice as it has been arising in America for the last um, 40 and I would say really 30 and 20 years. Um, so I was really struck by that. I was really struck by As um, Greg shared, I, I, I go off script. Um, and I don't intend to. I, I, I literally, like, I don't come to things thinking, oh, yes, you have invited me here to be a, you know, to, to speak about this. And, and once I get there, I'm going to just, you know, take things <laughs> sideways. I, it, never, it never even occurs to me. I always go in thinking, I'm going to behave myself. <laughs> Uh, but, but something deep in me looks at what is present and I can't ignore what I see in front of me. I can't, in the same way that I couldn't igno ignore just acknowledging what's present in this room. Right? So it, it doesn't really matter to me that it's, which direction that it's going. It's like, that is the nature of my practice is to acknowledge what is right here in front of me, what is present right now, and apparently also to speak to it. Um, microphone, <laughs> even if a microphone is in front of me. So I needed to unpack that for myself and go back and look and say, like, what, what happened there? How, how could I, uh, with some degree of vigilance still locate myself, sort of come around the other side and go, oh, oh, wow, you, you did your version of this, this keep your head thing, keep your head down thing too. And so, just go back about. Um, About a, about a dozen or so, well, it was actually longer, but many years ago, which, which feels like many years ago, I came to practice and I, um, you know, sort of circuitous path. And I got there and admittedly I was like, okay, this is really strange. 
this cushion thing, right? Like I was going to um, a, a zendo that was in the village, and I was like spending my time, and I was, I, I lived in Brooklyn. We didn't have anything in um, Brooklyn at the time. And I lived in Brooklyn and I would travel to the village, like, you know, kind of early. <laughs> I would get out of my bed and get on a train and go to Manhattan to go and like sit on a cushion and walk around in circles <laughs> in someone's living room. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like this. And not only was it in someone's living room, when I like shuffled around, you know, there would be, you know, like all these white feet and then my little, my little brown feet. Well, actually, they're kind of big, but there were my feet. And, you know, and it was just like, this is, this is weird. Okay, I'm gonna go with it, right? Like, I'm, I'm gonna go with it, because something is here for me. And then I realized like something was like way up, you know, it was sort of novel and it was like, yeah, okay, you're just doing this thing, you're exploring stuff, it's, it's cool, you know. You can still like keep your cool hat on and you know, all those things. Um, and then I had this, um, at the time I had started this, um, what we called a cyber cafe. And it was the first um, black owned and first woman owned Cyber Cafe, and it was right over there in Fort Greene. It was called Coco Bar. And we had this party, because we, you know, we were hip. We were like the black digerati. <laughs> Y'all didn't know there was such a term, right? We were at the, like, like right there. Coco Bar is way before its time. But we were hip, and we had this party that was like the party. It was like legendary. It, it was the, that party that people were like, oh. <laughs> see, I can see the look on some of y'all. You'll know what I'm talking about. It was like the party that put Fort Greene on the map. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because prior to that, like everything had been on the down low. And it was like, yeah, you know, Everybody knew Spike Lee was there. Okay? He was like, he was old, old news. He was actually one of our investors. He was really supportive. And, but other than that, it was kind of like, yeah, Fort Greene is cool, and you know, we, but we heard, and, and then this party like brought it all out. Erica Badu was there, and Saul Williams was there, Mums the Schemer was there. It was like all these folks that were like making stuff happen that were like blowing open the idea of what cultural expression was in, um, in New York, in America, in these really complex and sophisticated ways. It, it, like everybody was there. It was like, ooh, everybody was there. I told the story the other day and somebody said, I was there. <laughs> So fast forward a year later, and we were going to have like, you know, version two, and it was going to be off the chain. It was going to be so great. And guess where I was? I was at a retreat. And I knew something was up. I was in the woods, like an hour outside of the city. It was winter shuffling around <laughs> with like little robes on, <laughs> walking in circles again <laughs> with mostly white folks, mostly 20 years older than me. And I knew like, oh, okay, s s like, you, you, you kind of can't pretend to yourself <laughs> that you're not doing something. And I was conflicted in my being there, not just because I was missing the party, 
but because there, I carried with it a sense of minor betrayal. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't with my people. Right? It was like I had, you know, in um, the Zen tradition, when you become a priest, there's a ceremony, and it's called um, Shukei Tokudo. And it, I'm having a senior moment. Yes, it means leaving home. And so I, um, you know, I had done my little studies and things, and, and I hadn't ordained yet, but I was like, oh, I, I'm leaving home. And, and I could feel it. I had this almost a, a sadness in my participation in this retreat and all of the things that I was increasingly doing. And it was like my friends and my world were getting fuzzy, you know? They were just sort of starting to blur because I was leaving. And I felt a tension about that. But I was leaving because I also knew that I was going home. I was going home to a, or by means of, a practice that was allowing me to see myself as I truly am, not just as a reflection of the life that I had used to define me, that I had constructed to define me. So this is a, a tension that I have continued to carry. Um, for some years, this, what feels and has felt like this split between being home in a way that was unshakable, I was going to do this, this practice. Not for anyone else, because it was like my life depended on it. Because once I got that glimpse of who I am, just a tiny little, you know, it's like someone turning a corner and just the, just a little tail of their coat And that's all I got to see initially, but what it exposed is like, oh, you have no idea, really. You haven't ever been still enough or open enough or receptive enough or just present enough to really know who you are. I had these lists, you know, I had accomplished this and done this, and I opened a cafe, and I, uh, like, but when I took away those lists, I, I didn't know what I was left with. And this practice, this uh, dharma, was creating the conditions to allow me to see that, and to explore that, and to probe that. The challenge is that I was doing it in a context that didn't allow me to feel like I belonged. So can you imagine, like, it's like I was trying to be home in a place that I didn't really belong. And I knew I was home, but I didn't know that I belonged. That's crazy making. Like, I knew I was home. Many people, they were like, really? Like, 
maybe you should go, maybe you should try Nichiren, you, you know, other tr practices, other traditions. You know, there are new churches, Angel, like they're not all like you grew up with and you don't have to feel like wounded by maybe you're gonna have to wear a paper doily on your head because, you know, I'm, I, I love the black church now, but I, at the time I was like, no, no more paper doilies on my head, no more choirs, ah, and those little socks that I had to wear. White patent leather shoes. I was ruined. <laughs> no, I wanted this space that expresses itself um, aesthetically, physically, but also in, in, our, in our heart, in our belly. I wanted this space um, that I hadn't been able to see and uh, create in my life up until that moment. And yet I didn't belong. And I want to share that um, that is a, a much more significant, I want to say battle then people can, that aren't having that experience, that split experience, can realize. We're, we're all having the experience of like, this is weird, right? Because this is a transplanted practice that has a lot of um, cultural trappings, right? And layers on it that, you know, we're smart enough to go, like, that's not like quite ours. <laughs> So there's something a little strange about this. And many of us know that America has a habit of appropriating things. And so there's also that little conflict like, oh, this is, maybe this is kind of not okay. So we, we, we all have some degree of feeling like oh, this, there's something <laughs> peculiar <laughs> here. And I don't take that away from anyone. I just want to reflect back that when spaces of community that are supposed to be for community so that we can be alone but in the company of others are, are not reflective of people in such a way that they can at least rest in a sense of like, I'm okay here. Not I'm okay in the big, you know, universal way, because really none of us are okay in that way <laughs> until we come to discover actually we're all absolutely perfectly okay. But to get there, but to get right around that circle, having a, a space and a place in which we don't walk into the door going, whoa, and having to brace ourselves to be able to take our seat in a place in which, and when I say in a place, I'm, I'm, I'm talking New York City, right? Like our daily experience is to be in conflict and in contact, excuse me, in contact with people from all different backgrounds and races and cultures and classes, right? So it, it's not that every sangha, every community is going to be incredibly inclusive, but, but, but here it doesn't make sense that it's not. And it didn't make sense that it wasn't for as long as, as it wasn't <laughs> and still is not. This is incredibly unique, and it shouldn't be. I shouldn't have to take a moment and go, Phew, thank goodness. And, and yet I largely, overwhelmingly still do.
Greg, you promised me a clock. Actually, no, what? Yes. Noon would be good. Hmm? Noon would be good. Okay, great. Thank you. So I'll digress less. So what happened in a nutshell is that I, I questioned this. I got just comfortable enough to go and just um, wanting enough and yearning enough to say, what's going on here? How is this possible? Uh, what can we do about this? And the answer I got back is, well, you know, if you want it to change, we, you, you need to do something about it. And I was like, okay. Um, I wasn't quite sophisticated enough at the time to go like, no, no, that's actually problematic. <laughs> that's not the answer. I, I took it differently at the time. And, and the answer was my book. I wrote this book as an invitation to um, particularly people of different um, races and classes uh, to just get a glimpse into what the possibilities were of this practice. Because I kind of felt like, wow, they, they can't just like hold on to it like that. I know folks that I grew up with and that I'm in relationship with that can, could really use what this practice has to offer. But, I, but I, I couldn't get them to stay with the, the way that it looked, what it looked like. Yeah. Please. It's so um, um, wonderful for me and for many of us having here, I was wondering if it would be possible to have a question and response time. Yes. I would be so interested, for example, to hear from you um, the Dharma in relationship to your experience, how you practice with that, what, 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 um, or were the teachings in particular that helped you with that, for example. Um, I'm wondering if maybe other people have questions as well, yeah, I'm going to actually create space for that. Thank you. So I... Um, I wrote this book... Uh, what was on the other end of it is that um, it wasn't well accepted within the Buddhist community. Um, it wasn't well accepted even by my own family. Um, and uh, that was particularly devastating to me. Uh, not about the book Right. Whether about the acceptance and the feeling of like, oh, I put myself out there to make this effort. And what I felt like was my chosen family said, hmm. And so I did what most self-respecting people did. I took off and went to California. <laughs> And when I got there, I started a, um, sort of un unexpectedly, started a community called the New Dharma Community. And I'm wearing um, the rakasu of that community, um, which has the four colors of the four peoples that walk the planet. And we took, and maybe this is the beginning of the response to that question, we took as our uh, 
foremost symbol. Um, the image of the, what's called the Earth, Earth Witness Buddha. And the Earth Witness Buddha, if you've ever seen, um, um, holds in one hand but it, what is essentially like a pot of wisdom. And, but is also touching, touching the ground. It's called the Bhumisparsha Mudra. And the story that goes with this, and here's the important point. The story that goes with this is that when the Buddha was vigorously pursuing his awakening, many different things arose to, to shake him, to shake him off his seat, to say, you know, that's not for you. Kind of go, go, go off on a different path. And the, the way that is represented, right, like distractions to your, to your, your intention to show up for yourself, and the way that's represented is in the form of this character called Mara. And Mara sent his daughters to seduce the Buddha, right? Great sexy daughters, like, come on, you really want to go back to the party, right? And then thousands and thousands of arrows were flung at the Buddha to shake him off his seat. And finally, you know, as people do when they're trying to, and situations do, when they really want to shake you, Mara like blew up and got angry and said, basically, who the hell do you think you are? How dare you? How dare you try to take this position and be present for your own liberation. Who gives you the right? And the Buddha reaches down and touches the earth and says, the earth is my witness. And the story goes that the earth shook in affirmation. And the arrows fell aside and the Buddha's awakening was, was met, was complete. And people interpret that in many different uh, ways, I think, in different ways. The way that I interpret and I offer back to you, each of you, in all the different ways in which distractions and shaking come about in your practice, is that you don't need permission. That that's what the Buddha was saying, that the earth is my witness, and permission need not be given. That you each each of us have the right to self-liberation. And there will be so many causes and conditions that arise, that appear to want to shake you off your seat. And when that moment presents itself. You only have to reach down and feel the comfort of the earth itself and take that as your permission. To to continue on.
have a, just a few minutes for questions. Would you say your name, please? My name is Anisha. Anisha. Hi. I'm just wondering what, in, in the very beginning, you, know, you talk about your journey. What led you to that journey and saying, I want to go wake up and go to this village Zendo. I have no idea what this is about, but I'm going to get up and, and travel there. What sparked that? I'm, pre-Google. <laughs> I think it was you, the pre-Alta Vista. And, yeah. um, in a nutshell, it was, um, my heart was broken. And uh, my grandfather had passed. I didn't know who I was anymore. And I wanted to know. And um, oddly enough, I stumbled across this, books in, this book in what was called Tower Bookstore in the village, um, called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. And so that is, uh, and actually my journey began in, the first time I formally sat was actually in San Francisco Zen Center. Um, I still have that cushion that I walked away with, holding on really tight. Um, uh, and then, of course, I because I was visiting California, and so when I got back here, I had to find some place here. Yeah. And, and the same goal for me, like suffering a broken heart, I said I wanted to, wanted to be still, and I wanted to come from a Christian family and a Muslim family, and a grandfather who studied Buddhism. So I couldn't imagine what I went through as a child. Who I listened to? Heartbreaking that breakup led me back to this place of who am, who am I? And I did a one, well, I wrote a one woman show that I didn't perform, my thesis minor, and I ran away from that. Found all, all, all of these things that was going on, on with me that I couldn't perform, and it brought me back to this place like, what are you running from? Like, why are you, every time you meet up with success head to head, like, you're doing this thing, like, ducking down. Well, this, what is that about? So it, it, that breakup and that heartache caused me to just be still for a year and just be quiet. And, and then this journey. So it wasn't just Google. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was. <laughs> Thank you. I just want to check with Greg around the time. It's just a couple of minutes. Where's the tent though? What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's. Yeah. See what the kitchen says. Whatever the kitchen says is, is the final. Food matters. You have time. Okay. May, may I just make a comment? Please. Okay. 
I just wanted to say that um, even though you weren't accepted, your book really helped me through a um, difficult marriage. And I explored Buddhism, but I was intimidated because in um, Chinatown, like you said, I was the only brown person, so I didn't pursue it. And now that my children are grown, and I see, um, I saw that you were going to be here. I got an email, and um, I feel like I've come full circle. So I just want to say you're such an inspiration. From one stage to another. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, please. Stuart. And I'm sorry, would you say your name? The oh, young woman, yes. I'm sorry, I'm Elma. Elma, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Stuart? You, you alluded to, I think, it was that much information, resistance that you seem to have experienced in various communities that you were part of. And you weren't specific and sort of subtly referred to it. But I was wondering if you could be more specific help us understand what you were experiencing. There seemed to be some unpleasantness, mm -hmm. I don't know whether it was, whether it was in regards to your ordination or your transmission, for instance. Yeah. You sort of kept your head down on, on the down low. But could you be more specific about your experiences that made you feel outside, even when you were at home, as an outsider in your home? Yeah, I was, um, it's Greg's fault. He didn't give me a, a clock sooner. How long were we done? Was that for Sarji? How long, what is it about? Can we go to 1220? Oh yeah, we can keep going. It's better for the combo anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, I was at a, you know, my, my original community was a, or it was not my, it was the original community that I settled in. I did the, like, there was Soho Zendo and there was Zen Mountain Monastery. It was like I was, you know, all over the place for a little while. You did this sort of, like, hopping thing. We, we shop in New York. Yeah. So I was, I was shopping. Um, and so I found a, you know, what felt to me like a, um, say, progressive community that, um, on the certainly on the surface, there, there wasn't nobody was jeering at me when I came in the community, um, and there were gay folks and there were women and you know it was a woman-led community and so it wasn't like that. But as a um, as a young woman of color in particular. Uh, this is early 90s, early 90s. Um, there were just, it was like there were so many spaces in which that was one's experience of like you had to go in and armor up to be able to penetrate the um, I called it the invisible wall of whiteness. And you had to figure out how to like slide through the cracks, like put on your, um, you know, like take up your, the, your second and third language, cultural language, and figure out how to behave there, right? How to stay out of sight. So that was just, just that alone. And it's like, we're tired of doing that. I was tired of doing that. And I didn't really want to be doing it in any of any spaces in my life. I was like stepping into my power as who I was as a, as a person. And so it, that itself was a contracting experience to feel like it was like, I gotta navigate these odd things. Like, why did they ask me to do the drum when I first got here? <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody else know how to do a drum. Now, here's the truth of it. 
as time passed, I realized that that's always the instrument they gave to people when they were new. <laughs> but, the, but the question was there, right? And if I came here and it looked like this, that's not, what, that's not the question. So that's one thing. Um, my book created a lot of friction. It was, um, this is really an aside. There's a kind of peculiar thing in a way publishing is, you know, they say in academics, publish or perish. But publishing has become strangely synonymous. It's American culture. It's not specific to Zen or specific to Buddhism. But publishing has become this weird thing. Author is short for authority. And so the idea that I was published at such a young age, I was, you know, barely, I wasn't quite 30 yet. The idea that I was published, it was like I had jumped the line. And I had jumped the line. <laughs> Not cool. And so all of the things that were sort of like, oh, that's, you know, that's how you pursue, it was like it was thrown off because there was now this split between the way that the public was receiving me and relating to me and the way that I, um, where I just was in my practice, right? I didn't think of, I didn't imagine myself in any far off or different place, but it created conflict for other people in their minds of like, basically, who do you think you are? And what was actually said to me was, you know, it's like you're, you're giving, you're, do, you're being like a teacher and you're not a teacher yet. And I was like, whoa. No, like where I come from, we just tell our story. And I was telling my story. I wasn't trying to be a teacher. I wasn't, it was like, I'm gonna invite you in. And so in order to tell you like what's up, right? That's what the book is about. It's like, in order to say like, well, so this is kind of like what these noble truths are about. And you can kind of look at them like this. I was just telling my story. And it was uh, not taken too kindly. And in fact, um, one of the things that the publishers reported back is that oddly, that the Buddhist, um, it was this like string of Buddhist bookstores across the country that, you know, like all the Buddhist books that came out would go to those stores. And they, they were like, no, no, this is not a Buddhist book. This is a black book. We're not going to carry it. Um, my um, ordination was withheld. So I was on the path to ordination, and then it was sort of like somehow with my book, suddenly the, it kept getting put off <coughs> when I was empowered as a called Dharma holder, sort of. Um, there was a, a, a bit of an uproar, uh, including accusations of um, my being, uh, which any, any of you that might have read the book, I talk about an incident um, with a, a, a woman that was my partner at the time. Um, and somehow this thing that I had actually shared in my book became the stuff of fodder. It was like, oh, I was, <laughs> basically I was beating women, women. And I was like, wow, really? But all of this was done. So all of there was a series of things that where odd um, rumors would, would be introduced at times at which I was receiving empowerments or in some ways being recognized, um, but never in a way that allowed me to directly address the people that were saying the things. So I'm, I'm all for questions, and I'm, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, bring it on. But it was always done in a way that was like behind the scenes. And, you know, I would just kind of hear about it. I was actually kind of um, flattered by the idea that maybe I would be like the first, you know, real like woman, um, you know, you know, <laughs> catastrophe of like, teach, you know, a, a practitioner is like going off. But then I was like, uh, mm, I don't know if this is really what I want to be known for. 
Um, but it, it took some significant intervention. You know, fortunately, I had you know relationship with um, teachers in other traditions that actually knew me, um, and it was their it was only their good heart and intervention that they were like, no, I know who Angel is, and I know who she's showing up as, and these things are not not so. So, yeah. Yes, in the back. Your name. Uh, my name is Luke. Luke. Um, I'm interested to hear your perspectives on where that resistance comes from uh, when we're talking about the lack of inclusivity mm. in our science and uh, that kind of conservatism. I've, I've been living in New York for under a year and uh, moved here from Europe, and the thing that's really uh, surprised me and taken me back the most, uh, right in New York, anyway, is, is how segregated segregated society, and certainly in comparison with northern cities. So I'm wondering that kind of conservatism uh, that you experience, do you think that comes from uh, a conservative in Zen, or is there a relationship with uh, those kind of divisions in, in American society? Uh, or is it a combination of the two? Like in what ways, what do you think the origin of that resistance is? Oh, I think it's certainly American society. Um, and I think even beyond American society that, you know, the, the, um, the Western European paradigm that we're grappling with right now is, is one that um, places whiteness, which is just a construct, um, above all else. And the worldview that goes along with that, um, and this is not about individual people, right? but there's a paradigm, there's a construct that places human beings in the position of, and the, the, the resources of the earth, as resources to be consumed for the benefit of a fairly small number of people that look a certain way, that have the view of how the world ought to be, and everyone else's view is second. Um, so we have that. That's what this country has been built on. The country was stolen from people that were here. And then it um, was built up by people that were stolen from elsewhere. It was continued, it continued to be constructed by people that were not fairly paid or acknowledged. Um, slavery has, and destruction and disregard for other, the, the ways of other, the inherent um, truth of their humanity has, is, the, is the bedrock of this country's foundation. And we haven't healed that. We haven't addressed it. And it's, it's, uh, it's it's institutionalized. It exists in the structures of our institutions are actually built on that foundation. And so it, um, of course, it manifests itself in communities. Now, what I want to say is that I think that we have a unique opportunity within um, traditions that are practicing truth to break away to break away from that, and we're irresponsible if we don't. My name is Gerardo, uh, and I've had uh, practicing Zen uh, and other practices, and my question is uh, a little bit having to do with what the view is about uh, what it is 
the traditional practice that's mm -hmm. coming from, let's say, Japan or China in, in, in terms of Zen, and then also what seems to be happening in our society that's so complex mm -hmm. that there are certain needs that seem not to be met by just the traditional way. And so you have uh, people like um, Genpo Roshi, who is sort of taken off and sort of to and sort of to include other things uh, to help people uh, to grow and evolve that aren't really considered in the tradition. And a lot of these people who are doing that, there's sort of a split where they're not being seen or accepted by the more traditional line or, or lineage. Mm -hmm. They're saying, oh, this guy, that's, that's not Zen, or that's, you know, just stay on a straight and narrow. So my question is, and I'm coming from a place of where I work with a lot of different practices or a lot of different things in order to to grow or to evolve. What, what is your feeling about that? Because I feel that's, that's another area where there is a sort of rejection or somehow that is not a part of this that is going on, you know, within the Dharma and within the circles, uh, spiritual circles within, you know, in the country. You know, I, I think that we're, we are in such unknown territory. You know, Zen, Buddhism itself has never been practiced in such a uh, 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 heterogeneous society. And so it has some things to be figuring out. And, and, and as Americans, we're like, figure it out now. Now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Heaven forbid, it just got here five minutes ago. <laughs> like, really, in the scheme of things, right? didn't get in China and they, were, and they were like, okay, you know, you Indians, this stuff, like, we <laughs> change it, change it, it's not working for us. Um, it, it's, we're just in a natural unfolding. And um, I believe that there is not only room for, but ne necessity, f there's necessity for the people that hold down the tradition. It's a, it's a, it's a place, it's a, from which we can ping off of and then say like, oh, and how about this? Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it around like this. Is that still it, right? And, and the traditional people provide us um, actually the opportunity to do that. So we need both. We need both the, we need the people that hold, hold it down. And we can get like, you know, they're so tight. <laughs> And you know that's not helping this, and that's not helping that. But we have to figure that out because we have a, we have something um, teachings that are also they came um, wrapped in cultural expressions that were specific to the Japanese, or specific to Chinese, and spe specific to Korea. And we have to unpack like which things are which, which things are like of the essence, and which things are like oh no no, no that was that was the Japanese thing. And then, you know, frankly, a lot of people that came along were Japanophiles in some way, and so we like the Japanese stuff. I do. Um, and I would, but I would also say that I have, I have often said that one of the reasons that there is a significant resistance to um, people of color, and I, I want to say especially black folks, because we're, we're uniquely positioned in the history of America. One of the resistances is that we're going to change things. That's what people believe. And I go, yes, we are. <laughs> Damn Skippy. <laughs> Swaha. So be it. We, we are going to change things. And none of us know. We're fooling ourselves. We, we don't know what the expression is. Here's, here's the thing that I care about. Are you being transformed? Are you kinder? Are you more compassionate? Do you create space for your own heart and the healing and the conditions that support 
other people's right to determine the path and the ways of their own lives, that they can have food, water, shelter, love their families, and practice the ways that are working for them, and, and that you're a part of that, that you stand for that. I don't care what you call it. I think there was a gentleman. One more, yes. This is my, thank you. This is actually my first time coming here. My name is Robert. Say it. Say it. Robert. Robert? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, you answered all my questions. Wow. Going to a few places and just didn't fill us out. My job as a, as a federal marshal, I have to fight here. I don't want to fight a place where I'm not the So, thank you. Thank you. So, we're at time, and um, I, I want to just, um, this is really funny. Um, I, I shared this with Greg. So I was the original domain holder of brooklynzen.org. <laughs> <laughs> Just want you all to know that. Because <laughs> I had my little sitting group that was over there in Fort Greene in my living room. And we had a very like, cool logo. I tried to, I was going to dig it out, but I you know, got myself involved in things. Um, and then I... Um, I was sitting in the room this morning. <laughs> There's this beautiful picture of these young people. And it's the, the, the Awake program, yeah? Awake youth. Awake youth program. And I looked at the bottom. And you'll have my other domain, citathon.org. <laughs> I was just like, OK. <laughs> so I feel home here. And I, and I hope in whatever way that my being here has created some um, sense of opening and possibility for people that may have, up until now, not been feeling as spacious as you possibly could. Um, I hope that my being here has uh, supported you in um, your recognition that you don't need permission. Um, I hope that my being here is reflecting back at least my sense that, um, that this is a welcoming space. It doesn't mean that there isn't work to do, because we just have work to do. Um, but I have, I have not yet seen, um, this is, I would just want to say that this is the first actually Zen community that's holding down the tradition that um, expresses itself, expresses itself, as, not just says, but expresses itself as a truly welcome community. I wish I could stay here with you all. Thank you. May own tension equally. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.